opportunities to be obedient and you, you chose not to, right? Jesus said, uh, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And if we believe God is good, we will obey. But why, why don't we at times? Or let me ask this a different way. What is your limit of obedience? Is there a line where you're, I'll go this far in obedience, but, but ooh, I'm not going to go that far, right? I, I'm not going to get too crazy about this whole Christian life thing. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, Jesus Freak, that's how old I am. Uh, there was a, a song, I don't remember, DC Talk maybe, Jesus Freak, okay. But I remember there were, we would talk about that, even, you know, my Christian friends like, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Jesus freak, right? Like, I don't want to be super crazy about it. You know, I want to I follow God, but I also kind of want to do these things here. We have lines at times in our obedience. How far will you go to obey God? Uh, how about this? Students you're going to college, you're going to find in certain universities, you write a paper. If you tell them what they want to hear, even though you don't agree with it, you'll get a good grade. If you write what you believe to be true, you might get a bad grade. Are you willing to be obedient and get a bad grade? Work. Have you, uh, have you at work been asked to do something wrong, right? L- lie about this or, or, you know, shade the numbers this way. And you're like, ooh, if I'm obedient to God, I might lose my job. Are you willing to be obedient in that situation or, or somebody in your family, right? They say, I'm going to live this certain lifestyle and I want you to tell me it's okay. I'm like, I love you. I can't tell you that's okay. And they're going to remove you from their life. Are, are you willing to be obedient no matter what? Well, we are going to be in Daniel. So open up to Daniel. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you and, and that's yours if you don't even own one. But we're going to be in page 824, 824. And we're going to see a couple, we're going to see three young men being obedient. And they're going to, it's a great example for us. Again, this was written a long time ago, right? About 2,600 years ago. But it's surprisingly relevant. So last week we started in Daniel 1. And what we saw, the situation is Babylon, right? The Chaldeans had, had moved into Jerusalem and, and conquered it, right? They, they took over Judea um, and they removed most of the Jewish people from Israel, from their area. They took them to Babylon. Now, it's kind of interesting. They didn't, in general, enslave them. They killed a lot of them. Uh, it was a pretty brutal siege on the, on the city. But they removed them. And this was discipline because of their disobedience to God. And God said, you're going to go into exile, but it's only going to be for 70 years, right? He made these promises through Jeremiah, told them what was going to happen. And he said, when you go there, right, be good citizens there, pray for the well-being, all those things. And so they were removed and they were brought to this new place. Again, they weren't really made slaves. The goal of the, the Chaldeans, uh, the Babylonians, was to conform them. Their goal was to bring them in and just make them one of them. Uh, And we saw that last week with Daniel and then the other three of his friends we're going to see. They were, you know, youths between 13 and 20. And they were brought and they were brought to the king's palace. They were going to give the best food, great education in order to conform them into the image of a Babylonian. And then they could go back to Israel and say, hey, no, it's great to be here. It's great to be like them. Let's be like them. But Daniel was bold in his obedience. says, I'm not going to eat the king's food. Right? I'm not going to drink his wine. And he was very you know, gracious in this request to the, the man over charge of him. He said, give us vegetables to eat. Uh, test us for 10 days. And if we look healthy, then you know, we'll prove to you that we can do it. So they're bold. They're gonna, they decided that they're going to follow God no matter what while being in this place that is trying to 
conform them, trying to make them like them. Now, kind of an interesting side note, 70 years later, many would return. I would say some would return to Israel when the exile was over. Uh, and you can read about this in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, how they returned. Many did not return. It's, it's somewhat interesting when you look at that. 70 years later, many of them, stay, they, they were gone, right? They were consumed by Babylon. Uh, and then Persia after that, they became one of them. They said, we have homes here. We have lives here. We don't want to go back. What about us, right? We are in a world right now that is very much trying to get us to conform. It's trying to make us look like them. Will we stay firm or will we conform? So the book of Daniel, we're going to be in chapter three. Um, We're not going to read all of it, but let me set the scene real quick. Daniel uh, had interpreted a dream for the king. So King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He was worried about it, uh, said, you know, can anybody interpret it? Daniel, God gave Daniel the interpretation, told it to him. King says, hey, you're great. Um, I'm going to put you over all this great stuff over here. And he says, I got three friends. They're pretty cool, too. Can you put them in charge of stuff? And so they all have these good roles, right, in Babylon. But now this king, who is a little bit interesting, we're going to see him more next week. He's kind of up and down and all all over the place. Um, He sets up a gold idol, right? He, He has this gold idol built. And he says, all right, everybody, when you hear any kind of music, bow down to the idol. There's the situation. Picking it up in chapter 3, verse 8. Verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So there's, there's the scene, right? These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are refusing to obey the king. They're choosing, rather, to obey God. And they were not content. This is surprisingly relevant today. Notice how they're not content with the Jews having their own religion. They needed them to conform. They needed them to, to bow down to this other image. In a similar way, our, our world is changing, honestly in a way where it's not okay anymore for us to believe what we believe, that there's one God, one way to salvation, Jesus alone. He defines morality, all this in Scripture. No, our culture is trying to say, no, you can't have a different opinion. If you tell me I'm wrong, that means you hate me or whatever. It goes down the list. Rather, right, we need to stand on truth because Christianity is somewhat unique. I'm not sure if you realize that. Most other religions out there have some sort of universalistic belief, meaning if you're good enough, everybody gets to the same place, right? It all goes to the same place. Uh, Hindus, they accept Jesus as one of their deities, right? One of their uh, incarnations of Vishnu, something like that. Uh, Muslim, or uh, yeah, Islam, right? They accept Jesus as a prophet. I mean, all these other, they'll take Jesus in and include it. And you see that in the New Testament also. Paul, when he's on Mars Hill and he's preaching and he's sharing with them, 
They want to hear about this Jesus so they can just include him in the pantheon. Christianity is unique. You know, we're completed Jews, Judaism in the Old Testament. Christianity, we are unique to say there's really only one way. There's only one God revealed in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. Salvation is only available through him. That is unique in all religions in the world. And so the world would want us, again, to conform. And that's what they're trying to get them to do. Here's your first note. It says, culture will not be content with Jesus followers until we abandon the truth of God revealed in Jesus and written in Scripture. We need to be okay with that, right? Scripture's really clear about that. We look around, we know that's true. We need to be okay with that. Now, we are not under threat of death in this country, but we are under threat of other things. But let's look at uh, verse 13. What happens with these three? Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made. Well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? It's a big deal, <laughs> right? This isn't kind of wishy-washy. This is either you bow to this false God or I'm going to kill you. Again, we're not under threat of death, but let's be honest. What are those things in our life where, where if we obey, it's going to cost us something? And we wrestle with that. It's okay to admit it, right? Nobody in here is perfect, right? Oh, if I'm, if I'm honest, if I'm open and following God, then I'm going to have to give up this, right? Maybe it's a relationship you know is not in line with God's word. And you're like, oh, if I obey, I can't be living this way anymore. Is, obe is obedience worth it? You know, we talk about it fairly often, though, that the, the American Christian church in general uh, largely has gone away from biblical truth, right? They have conformed, kind of like these three and Daniel are, are being told to conform, right? Many of us in this nation have conformed. Here's one example. This is a popular pastor. He said this last Easter. It says, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. That's not the gospel. <laughs> that is conforming. I'm going to say what makes people feel good, right, so that they come, whatever it is. That's conforming. That's getting rid of the core truth of Scripture. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. During this series, right, exiles, just passing through, are you okay being an exile? Right? I mean, this is part of the reason we need to be part of a church, because we're exiles together. But in 1 Peter 2.11, Peter said, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. We are aliens and strangers. Last week was a family service, and so I got to have fun with, with the alien part, right? But we are. <laughs> this isn't our home. Sometimes we sing that song, uh, mainly the, the Gospel Sundays, right? This earth is not my home. And it's true. Uh, eternity will be on a new earth, but this earth is not where we end. So let's look at verse 16. Let's see how these guys respond. Shadrach, 
Meshach, and Abednego answered. And they said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I remember reading this verse when I was a young man, and I don't know if it was the first time I read it, but I remember reading this and that just sticking out like, that's faith. That's faith. He says, our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're going to obey. That gives me chills. (laughs) It really does. Are you, whatever your situation, right? God is willing to to save my job, but if not, I'm going to be obedient anyway. God is able to, to save this relationship, but if not... I'm going to obey anyway. I mean, go down the list, right? Even if it doesn't go the way we want. So many people, and I'll be honest, I've wrestled with this in my life. You have this pattern of life. Like, this is the life I want. I want God just to help me, right? He's like my genie in the bottle, right? I'm going this way. I, I want good money, all this stuff. And he's there to help me. What if it's the other way around? What, what if he's God and I'm not, right? And he gets to define and we go his way no matter what. Verse 16 through 18. Look at these guys. Living faithfully as an exile will require bold obedience. Living faithfully as an exile will require bold obedience. This is for all of us, but I'd say especially some of you younger, right? As life continues, as, as culture continues to go, you're going to have more and more opportunities for bold obedience that's going to cost you. I can't wait to see it. But, but notice, no, really, I, I, the opportunity to stand up for God and see him work. But notice how they speak. Look at this. They speak respectfully to the king, right? The, the king is telling them to worship a false god or he's going to kill them. And they speak respectfully, right? Even just the way they speak. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You, you know, and we see this earlier. Daniel speaks with respect. This is a big deal right? Uh, how often do Christians hop online and have angry rants against those who disagree? What, what, what does it say when we are angry at somebody else, right, who believes differently than we do? It, it actually reveals more about our own heart and our own insecurities than about the other person. They speak with respect. First um, Peter, again, Peter says this, says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. We can run to extremes, right? We can conform because that's easier. Or we can just be quiet when maybe we should speak out. Or we can be angry, right? What's the difference? What, what does it show us when we have these opportunities, right, to, to respond and we choose to go the other way? Faith or fear, right? Again, these things hit us. Are we going to go by faith and obedience? When we choose to not obey, it's because we are afraid of something. How we're going to be viewed, maybe financial ruin or financial loss, whatever it is, faith or fear. This is a note I skipped. (laughs) When we communicate truth, we must do it respectfully without anger. Respectfully without anger. They believe that God is in control, but if not. What's the great theme in Daniel? God's sovereignty. 
That's the overarching theme in all of Daniel, is that God is in control of everything. At the beginning, I asked you, do you believe God is good? Then, then why don't we obey? Faith and sovereignty go together. What is faith? Faith is believing God is good, God is all-powerful, and God is all-knowing. Meaning, he loves you, he wants what's best for you, and he can make it happen. Therefore, we're free to just obey. That's faith, believing in his control and his goodness. Just a little secret, God is better than your dad. I'm serious, so often we we get a, a picture of God equivalent maybe to what our father was. And if we didn't have one or one that was abusive, that can, that can affect how we see God. God is not that way. God is, is good. He's so good, he sent his son to die for you, right? He, he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. God is good. Notice again, though, what they say. God can set us free. He's sovereign. We believe he will. But if he doesn't, we'll obey anyway. Faithfulness does not mean we will always be delivered or get our way. Spoiler alert, we're gonna, they are delivered. But that's not always the way it happens. Jesus' apostle, the 12 disciples, right? All of them but one were killed for their faith. Read through the history, right? Christians burned at the stake. They, they didn't win, right? They went to the stake saying, God can deliver me, but if not, I'm still going to go. Many have died. Right? The last century, the, the 20th century, more martyrs for Christianity than all the 1900 years before added up. People die for their faith. They still do. We won't always be delivered. I asked you before, right? Is, do you have a picture of your life and you want God to help it? Right? Whoa. <laughs> we won't always get our way. We might lose our job for being obedient to God. We might lose reputation. We might lose friendships. We might lose money. Is it worth it? Again, where is your limit? Faithfulness does not mean we will always get our way. Look at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to the counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered, yes, king, that is true. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods." Now, some is, will say this is just a myth. This is just a legend, trying to teach a story. This is written as narrative. That's just one of the genres of Scripture. Narrative is written as historically true. Daniel wrote this. This is something that happened. This is a, a beautiful picture, right? They go all the way to the fiery front. Their obedience is going to cost them their life, and they're cast in, and there's somebody else in there. Who is it? 
it might be Jesus, right? Jesus is eternal. Uh, we, we see in the New Testament, right, in, throughout all the New Testament, Jesus is eternal. He's the second member of the Trinity. But the agent of creation in the beginning, right, in Genesis 1 when God created, Jesus was, was that word that was creating. Jesus is eternal. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, and theologians debate this, there are what we could call Christophanies, appearances of Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus. This might be one, right? This could be Jesus before he took on human flesh, or it could be an angel. We don't know exactly, but what we do know is God was showing his presence with these three. God was showing up with him. This is a huge lesson. I mean, it's amazing how relevant something written 2,600 years ago is, right? That yes, God will ask us to be obedient, bold obedience that will cost us, but he never tells us we'll have to do it alone. God promises to go with us just like he was with them. As we endure as exiles, we know that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. He will never leave us or forsake us. In Matthew 28, we see what we call the Great Commission. Some of Jesus' last words where he says, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. Jesus promises to go with us, right? He's with his disciples right before he goes to the cross. And they're worried. They're like, where are you going? He's like, where I'm going, you can't come, but we want to be with you. He says, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send someone to you. And he sends the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit is with us, is in us. We are never alone. Do you believe that? God is good, right? And God is with us. There is so much freedom in this. There is so much freedom in faith. Because when we know what God says, we answer yes, right? That's kind of the, the theme we saw last week and this week. We say yes to Jesus before we even know what he asks of us because he is good and he knows what's best. This is your last note, but let's allow Jesus to have the final say on all things in life. Let's let Jesus have the final say. Uh, one of the probably most destructive heresies currently is, is the prosperity gospel. Right, the idea that if you follow God, he'll make you healthy and wealthy. Right, all those things. If you give, maybe you've heard that. If you give generously and sacrificially, then God will give back to you and you'll get rich. Now, we are told to give generously and sacrificially. Right? And, and if we don't, what does that say about faith or, or fear? Right? Bold obedience and that. But we're not promised right, that when we give, he's going to give back. We're not promised health. And I've seen families destroyed by this belief. Right? A wife who has cancer, and they, they think, oh, if our faith is strong enough, we can pray and heal her. We don't have those promises. We don't. The promise we have is that God is good, and that God will go with us. That's the promise we have. The promise we have is that eternity is coming, and that's our hope. Paul says, if our hope is in this life only, we're of most to be pitied. No, our hope, uh, we just finished the Apostles' Creed series, our hope, and the Christian hope for the last 2,000 years has been in the resurrection. It's never been in this life, which is why God's people can go into a fiery furnace, can go into a lion's den, that's in two weeks, uh, can, can, right? can, can go to a state, can be fired, can, right? can, can fail a class, go down the list. What does it cost to obey, and are we willing to pay the price? You know, this morning, every Sunday morning, you know, my, my method, I, I write weeks in advance, and I go through it, and I sit down and kind of pray over it, and what God kind of stuck out to me in this is, is what we started with, that God is a good father, right? We, we've had a couple boys with us this week, and maybe if you're a parent, you remember kids, and 
You tell the kids what to do, and they're like, ah, oh, you just don't want me to have any fun. Well, no, no, actually, I love you. I, I read a book uh, early on as a, a parent that really stuck out, and it said, say yes to your kids every single time, unless there's a good reason to say no. <laughs> but but I, that was really helpful, because when my kids ask for something, or they want, why do I say no? Is it because I'm selfish or, or lazy? Uh, you know, I, I come home from work, working hard, and they're like, hey, Dad, be the bull. I mean, this is when they were little. They don't do this anymore, unfortunately. Um, but the bull is hands and knees, running around, hitting them, right? And they jump on the back, and you buck them off. And as a dad, at the end of the day, that's, that's tiring. And I remember like, no, why am I saying no? Because I'm lazy. Yes, let's play, right? Let's, let's wrestle. God is a good dad. He wants to say yes every single time, and he will. He wants what's best, unless there's a good reason to say no. And guess what? He knows more than we do. We can, we can trust him with that. That's faith. How could these three go to this fiery furnace? Because they knew that God was good and he was sovereign. They trusted it. Again, it's called faith. Do we trust that he's good? God is good. God can do whatever is needed. And if it doesn't go your way, guess what? He's still good. And we can trust him. We, we talk a lot about the abundant life. That's even, uh, you know, in our mission over here is connecting people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. The abundant life is not one where we get all that we want, but it's one of faith. It's one of freedom. It is so freeing to say, what do you want me to do, God? That, okay, <laughs> right? I don't have to wrestle with it. It's freedom to obey, believing God is good. Let me pray and we'll worship. Father, I, I thank you for these three young men um, who give us this example of faith, of, of faith all the way. God, we, we are not at risk of, of our lives in this country. Um, there are believers around the world that are. Um, and God, we ask that you would, you would be with them. You would embolden them and encourage them. But God, I, I pray for us in this room or, or watching online. God, bring something to mind if there is. God, if there's an, a line where we say, I'm going to obey, but not, not that far. Or there's an area in our life where we are refusing to obey because of, of, of fear of whatever it is. God, show us that. Re reveal us to us, whatever that might be. And then, God, grab our hearts and, and tell us you're good. God, I pray for everybody, again, in this room, that they would know that you are good, that you are all-powerful, and that you love them. And then, God, we are free to go your way. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the opportunity to worship. We love you. You know, as we uh, close with a couple more songs, I'm going to be in the back here. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, come, come talk to me or, or anything else. You want to pray, I'm going to be back there. Let's worship.